Welcome, everybody, to another week of Sports Talk with the Views from the 573 Podcast. Hopefully, you guys haven't got frostbite on your feet since the last time we did a show. Hopefully, everything is going good with you all. This week's show is sponsored by Anchor, the best way to make a podcast. You guys will hear about them a little bit later on in today's show. You can find us and our other channel, Entertainment from the 573, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you guys get your podcasts. You can also go subscribe to our YouTube channel, Podcast from the 573, where you can listen to the YouTube version of the show. And be sure to go subscribe to whichever platform is your preference. Give us a rating and review. Go follow us. Do all that good stuff. I am one of your co-hosts, Ryan McDaniel. Join alongside by me today, as always, my fellow co-host, Peter Lewis. Peter, how are you doing today? Uh, pretty good. Haven't slept in pretty much days, but hey, that's fine. That's how life works now. <laughs> <laughs> so we got a good show for you guys this week. We got a couple stuff that we're going to get to a little bit later on, like our football previews. We're going to be rolling along with that. We got the AFC West this week. We're going to be talking about all the teams there, the Raiders, Broncos, Chargers, and Chiefs. A little hard knocks talk, a little bit of talk going around training camps and Tom Brady's new deal. And then we're going to be doing the SEC this week in college football, so everybody be prepared for 30 minutes of Tennessee talk, all right? You, I can't. I, I mean, I can control this, but I, I, we're going to get 30 minutes of it. No, I'm joking, guys. We're not. It's too bad Matt isn't here to talk about his, one of his favorite coaches and uh, Ed Ordron, a uh, go Tigers. Matt does a better with that, but and Alabama. So we're going to be talking about everything in the SEC going on with that conference, and then kind of give give you guys a little update next week. Uh, next week is the AFC West, uh, NFC West, I mean, and then we're going to be closing out with the final Power Five conference in the Pac-12. We're going to try to get Matt coming on for that one because. It's not Pac-12 week here at Five Views from the 573. It's Herm Edwards week, as is every week. So be prepared for that. But we're going to start off the show off the top with a couple things going on in the world of basketball. Draymond Green gets a four-year, $100 million extension. He was going to be set to be a free agent next offseason and was eligible to get the Supermax, but they go ahead and get the deal done here. It's uh, it's quite a little bit less than what he was going to get with the Supermax. But I'm guessing, basing off of the timing of this deal and how much Draymond is getting, is that, listen, the, both these guys are on good terms. They want to keep this thing going. Clay, Steph, and Draymond. Clay's come out with comments that it, they still feel like they have more years of be this dynasty that they've been the last five years for. And it's a team, it's a team friendly deal. Although if you do, if you're a math person, yeah, the numbers are going to be like, Oh crap, that's a bunch. But looking at it, seeing Draymond is not going to get the super max. It's actually a good deal for both sides. He's going to get uh, Draymond's going to get 22.2 million first year. 24 million second year, 25.8 is third year, and 27.6 over uh, in his fourth year. And the crazy part of it is they're gonna the Warriors will have 129 million and 138 million respectively in 2020 to 2021 and the 2021 2022 seasons with Steph, Clay, 
Draymond, and D'Angelo Russell. That's how much they're paying those four guys for the next two seasons. So that is a bunch. And already weakens a very lackluster 2020 free agency class. Of course, I mean, AD is going to be there, but we're all feeling pretty good that he's going to re-sign with the Lakers. So, Peter, we talked about C.J. McCollum getting his new deal this week. What is your take on Draymond getting his new deal? And with all that you're hearing me talk about with the money situation, is this a good deal for Draymond and is it a good deal for Golden State? Well, I mean, from a bank account standpoint, yeah, this is good for Draymond, clearly. Golden State, I would say it's definitely still good, especially with the... Because uh, Clay, Clay and... Uh, Clay's the one that's hurt next year, all all of it, right? Pretty much, yeah. He's going to be probably going to come back around March, April. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I say, especially if KD gone, it's pretty much just Steph and Draymond, which is pretty much the two big ones you had during this whole dynasty. So, I think from all points of view, it's definitely the best thing they could have uh, done. It definitely keeps them in the hunt. And, yeah, as you said, I mean... <laughs> 2020 now free agency is not going to be fun because sure AD has a player option, but after that it's Pascal, Ingram, Jalen Brown, Kyle Lowry. I mean, good players, but nothing fun like this year's was. Yeah, it's it's not it's not going to be even close to the craziness we saw this year. You know, I think the contract it's actually pretty good because if you're Golden State. And we know Draymond's age is coming to factor. Is how long can he keep playing? The way that and the the way that he's been known to play the last last few years, he's not going to be able to keep that up here for the duration of that contract. I don't think. Because let me see, how old is Draymond? I'm pretty sure he's around 28, 29. He's 29 years old. He's going to be turning 30 next year. So this is going to take him to his. Early 30s, around 33, 34 years old, and it's going to be very tough for him to keep playing the way that he's been playing, that the way that we've known him to be. And I think you're going to state it's a easy way to get rid of that contract. If you if you need to trade him for salary cap purposes, dump him. If you want to trade him for young prospects or you know, Dream or if he isn't the same, and maybe somebody will take him in a salary dump. I think it's a very flexible deal, and it's not crazy. Now, if this was a Supermax, I don't think you'd be able to do it. And I think, you know, for Draymond's perspective, it is a little bit weird questioning why he didn't want to wait to take the Supermax. But at the end of the day, I think this is a little bit of the San Antonio Spurs method here, the New England Patriots method, is that these good, great, good to great players you know they're not going to get paid what they would be worth out on the open market, but they're going to still get paid really, really well while saving some money for the team to go out and maybe trying to make some moves down the road. But I, I like the deal for him. Draymond is going to get paid even more now for four years, hundred million, and the Warriors they spent a whole bunch of money this offseason to keep that team together, re-signing Clay, getting D'Angelo Russell on a huge deal, and now. Uh, extending Draymond. So that's going to be where we're going to leave it off with that topic. Moving on to the next one. This one has gotten the attention of not only people in in the college basketball world, but it's gotten the attention of people in the NBA as well, especially one guy, LeBron James. And this is the NCAA creating this rule concerning agents 
They've added criteria for agents who wish to represent student-athletes testing the waters for the NBA draft, and that criteria includes a bachelor's degree, certified with NBPA for a minimum of three years, and then take an in-person exam at the NCAA office in Indianapolis. And a lot of people, Peter, are talking about Rich Paul, LeBron James' agent and close friend and an agent for several NBA players, that this is the Rich Paul rule and how Rich Paul has gotten into so many people's lives and like he's talking to all these college players. He doesn't have a college degree, and a lot of people are saying one why the one of the criteria is a bachelor's degree is probably because of Rich Paul, and you have people like LeBron, like Chris Paul, a couple big names there defending him, and I believe this rule is not it's not for Rich Paul, but it's for. The uh, for other agents, other people that are sleazy. Like, we just had this big NCAA scandal that we talked about last year and that we talked a little bit about earlier this year. It's primarily for those people, for those agents, for some of those people that you might seem to be not trustworthy enough to be able to be an agent to some of these collegiate athletes. And it's... It's a situation I don't agree with with the NCAA. I don't see what's the point in that. It's if they're aiming at Rich Paul here, uh, it's not. I, I don't think it's right. But I, I also think it's more aimed at the other agents that we see out there. Others that are willing to go over the top, willing to pay player or give player uh, give a player certain benefits. Peter, you're hearing all this. Oh, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I think by now everybody knows my thoughts on athletes. They should be paid what they're worth, especially, you know, at the college football and uh, college basketball level. They're the, they're the big ones at most schools. They deserve some some money here and there. Uh, this is the dumbest thing I think I've ever seen the NCAA do. And this is the league that will, you know, fine a school 100K because, oh, they gave the players cream cheese when they when that was technically a little too much from what they're they earned in their scholarship or some stupid like that. So, I mean, the bachelor thing is dumb and it's, it's clearly to, you know, screw over, uh, the, the people who, the primary people who have, uh, in the free agency. Cause most of them, you know, uh, didn't really fish. And which again, it's like, I don't see why that's the bachelor thing has to be in there to begin with. If you're a good agent, I don't, if you have the proof, if you have a credibility, I mean, I don't care what your education background is. Yeah. It doesn't, it's just, it's just mind-boggling. I, I think as I try to get my thoughts on it, just kind of mind-bogglingly stupid. Like you think, okay, they're making a good move here. They're admitting, you know, this whole thing with the NBA having to play a year and then go to the draft. It's stupid. Let the players, you know, test it out. But then they put these stupid little things on it. I mean, first of all, the NBA should get rid of that rule. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It just wastes, you know these colleges time I think would make college basketball better. But again, we've, we've been there before. Uh, Yeah, it's just, and again, the NCAA is so used to this. I don't think it's going to, I don't think the reaction is going to change anything, unfortunately, because it'd be like, Oh yeah, people always hate what we do. What's the difference? Yeah, pretty much. You know, you brought up one point, the agents uh, prestige or something like that. Yeah. Uh, 
listen, Rich Paul, his he's an agent of LeBron James. That's as prestigious enough as you can get. Mm-hmm. If you, I don't care if they're best friends or not. He's been a good agent for LeBron, and can see he's been a good agent for Ben Simmons. He just got Draymond and got him this new deal. Bledsoe, Anthony Davis, we that whole crazy situation. He represents 20 NBA players, including some of those guys I named off. And people like him. He's a good agent. He gets people these deals. And plus, a couple of the uh, a couple of play, uh, players that we've kind of talked about, Darius Baisley, the guy that said that he, he was going to skip out of college and try to go to the NBA draft, he decided to sign with Rich Paul and got a seven-figure deal with New Balance. He ended up getting, picking, uh, getting picked 23rd overall in the draft this year, so it obviously worked out for him. But again, you go in prestige. Uh, Rich Paul, if he's if he's a guy that the NCAA is kind of looking at, it's like that. This is a guy we're kind of taking a look at as somebody like this. This kind of thing is aimed at him. He's not the guy you should be worried about. This guy's a good owner. A uh, good owner. He's he's a good agent. He knows what he's doing. He's gotten his players very good deals. He knows what he's doing. And I think this rule, if the NCAA has any saving grace here, they come out and say, this is to make sure we don't have these agents come out here offering illicit benefits or paying players to where like it's getting into a bidding war to like who's going to be your agent and stuff like that. So this is a it's a very bad move from the NCAA. I agree with you there. And a lot of people are seemingly looking at that looking at it that way as well. It's just a it's just a weird deal all, all around. The NCAA, NCAA. Oh man, as we head off in the football, NCAA. I do want to say real quick. I I I do kind of agree that you know, it's probably good to protect some of these kids, yeah. and, you know, these predatorial, you know, agents who are just, you know, there to make a paycheck off them. I get that. And I almost wish they didn't do this rule unless they had players being paid to begin with. Then I could feel like, okay, it's still stupid and kind of dumb that you have to put that cl- those clauses in there. But at least we're at a starting point. That's what I hate. Like, there was no like real starting point to begin, begin for this rule. It was just like, okay, we'll kind of try to meet you halfway, but we don't want to. Yeah. It's it's like I. <laughs> I, I can't see anybody with prestige who is going to be able to get these kids trust. Yeah, it's going to be very tough. And the NCAA has, has kind of made it tougher here, but hopefully we stop, we don't, we hear less stories of some of these, you know, some of these agents that are, are not as prestigious and are, can be slime balls to go out and do this and bit and try to make bid on a kid basically to figure out who his agent is going to be. so it, It's still going to happen, though. Yeah. College, bas- college basketball, because it's so much smaller, th- the teams, I should say, are so much smaller than you, know, a football team, and easier to you know, travel and all that, which is why you know pretty much every college in the world has a basketball team because it's just so cheap to manage. You're always going to have those people win, and it's just like, just pay them. Let's just get it over with here. Yeah. You know, st- stop this madness. It would be- Everyone... Everyone knows they should be paid. What What do you do? It would It would be a whole. It would be a lot simpler. Yeah, it would be. So moving off from college basketball talk, there to moving on to our weekly college football preview. Peter, it's SEC week. 
You know what, Ryan? Let's just get straight into it. Let's just get straight into the big one. The obvious, the uh, the elephant in the room. Let's talk about Tennessee, because this won't be fun, because where I'm negative about Penn State, Ryan, you have a thing that I think is called hope. <laughs> Most of my teams don't give that to me anymore, so I'm kind of interested in what that is again. So if you could explain, what is hope? Uh, Well, I will tell you this. I am an overly optimistic Tennessee Vols fan. It, it's well, like I could somehow build into my mind, like, I will tell you guys this. Last year, I have not told anybody this. You guys will be laughing at me once I say this. But last year, I I think I somehow convinced myself away. that like, you know, weird upsets can happen. Like, I feel like maybe we can have a shot at getting Bama. <laughs> like, I talk, I was like, you never know. It's at home. It's Pruitt. It's his first game against his old coach. Like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's... Something rolls our way. Something can happen here. And then, I mean, I guess in fairness to you, it, it was kind of there. A&M only put up 14. Ten, uh, LSU put up uh, zero. So did Mississippi State. You guys put up 21 on them. So I'm, you put up the same that uh, their rival Auburn did. So, I mean. It's not too I bad. I guess. It, yeah. Somehow Arkansas, what? Did Arkansas put up? Let me check that again. Yeah, Arkansas managed to get 31 on them. I don't know how that happened. I don't know either. That's a that's a great question. But I'm the more po- uh, more optimistic Tennessee fan than some are than some are out there. Some are a little bit more ca- uh, cautious with what happened with Butch Jones and with Pruitt, waiting to see what happens with them. And then there's absolutely negative Volunteers fans. And Peter, I honestly don't know which one is worse: the category I'm in or the negative Tennessee Vols fans. I think we're both terrible. But it, that's neither here or there. But in in fairness, all historically relevant college programs have terrible fan bases. Bama fans are obnoxious. Ohio State fans are obnoxious. Penn State fans are obnoxious. Everyone's obnoxious in their own right. I I can't wait to be obnoxious again, Peter. I, I will tell you that right now. <laughs> the days of uh, Manning. No, wait. You didn't even win the national championship, Manning. Is that right? No, it, we won it the year after you left. That's right. Yeah. With, uh, oh, who's your coach? Oh, Phil Fulmer, who's now the there AD. There we go. Yep. And so far, so far so good with him. I like what he's done. And with Tennessee, they brought in a lot of good coaches. They had an overhaul. They got a new offensive coordinator. They brought in Jim Chaney from Georgia. And this is his second stint with Tennessee compared to the what's up, Lane Kiffin, to the Lane Kiffin era. Or should, no, <laughs> should I say Derek Dooley era? Oh, man, huh. That's an error I don't want to remember, but so we bring so Tennessee brings him back. They bring in some other coaches that are have high profiles, being as far as where they've coached, players they've coached up, recruiting, all that time, all that manner of stuff. And this is the second year of the Jeremy Pruitt era. They went five and seven last year. Horrible close to the end of the season. Uh, Oh, man, I, I really don't want to lose the Vandy this year, Pruitt. Please don't let that happen again. But the weird thing here, here is I remember reading ESPN projected Tennessee. They they were projected to win in nine games this year. And I was like, huh, am I reading that right? <laughs> are, my, are my glasses that dirty? And I was like, no, that that's very true. And, the, of course, the three games they don't have us favored in are – or Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. 
they gave us some slight edges in some other contests, like fifty to uh, fifty-one to fifty-five percent somewhere in there. So I was kind of shocked. I'm looking at projections. They are saying six to seven wins, which I hope happens because that means we get into a bowl game. I think if you win seven to eight games this year, that shows progress, and that gets recruits' attention. And also, this is a big recruiting class for Tennessee this upcoming year. The state is loaded with a bunch of talented prospects. And to convince some of them, you're going to do really good this year. Again, it's the second year to prove it. You bring in Chaney, and you hope he helps quarterback Jaron Garantano, one of the top quarterbacks left in the SEC. You hope he somehow lights a fire under him, and he somehow lives up to his recruiting ranking. Then you have other guys coming in on offense. You're bringing back Marquez Callaway and Juwan Jennings, who were seriously considering going to the NFL last year but are coming back for their senior seasons. You got Ty Chandler, who is a baller at running back. He's got lights out speed. You got some good freshmen coming up on defense and offense. You may be looking at starting two freshman offensive tackles this year, which I know five-star ranking, five-star offensive tackles, good. But uh, this is the SEC. It's made in the trenches, and you're going to prove yourself. And you got some other pieces there. Daryl Taylor coming in back at linebacker. It's a very, it's a very interesting year. You lose some pieces on the de- on the defensive line. I'll tell you this, Peter. There is I. This is where my optimism is coming in. I can't see a season in which we in which Tennessee can win seven to eight games. Yeah, about to say, when 2017 you only won four, and last year you were one away from making a bowl game, the these the uh, thing you want to strive to to make it known that the season was good was you get it to a bowl game. Yes. And they certainly have a schedule that's workable. Georgia State should be a win. I think BYU should be a win, because I really don't know what BYU is anymore, to be honest with you. Especially with uh, Wisconsin last year just being such a fraud team. I mean... <laughs> Not really impre- impressive win for them. Chattanooga should be a win. You have Florida and Georgia, which I think even you can admit we're probably off to a bad start there. Uh, well, I Florida is weird. I feel like Dan Mullen's becoming the new Butch Jones, which I hope it's <laughs> which I hope really happens. But yeah, those two are going to be tough. Of course, Alabama is a guarantee. You can just. <laughs> Might as well just not even play that game, to be honest. Uh, can, can somebody accidentally hey, run into Butch Jones on the sidelines, please? <laughs> but hey, don't forget, Mississippi State, South Carolina, UAB, Vandy at home. Ugh. And you also, you also are at Mizzou toward the end, but in the but that's coming off your bye. Yeah. After a Kentucky game. And in the two weeks before that game, Mizzou has to play Georgia and Florida. Yeah. So you're coming, you're coming off fresh, and they're coming off... Just, you know, the two toughest teams they could possibly face. So, yeah, there's definitely upside for six wins to make a bowl game at least. Well, listen, I'm marking Kentucky as a guarantee. They lose a whole lot of prospects to the NFL. And plus, Peter, even when Kentucky's you, good. You beat them good last year. Peter, even – they were ranked and we beat them pretty good. Yeah, 24-7. That's pretty good, especially when uh, you came off that 14-3, went over Charlotte. The, the, oh, oh, I don't I don't need reminding of that. That was awful. <laughs> oh, man. But, listen, even when Kentucky has one of their best years in school history, they still can't beat us. So I'm marking that up as guarantee. Uh, South Carolina, Will Muschamp, we've never been able to beat them at South Carolina or at Florida. 
uh, I, I want to beat them. We, you need to beat them this year. But, yeah, I definitely do see a path to get the seven wins at least. And, listen, if you get six, I guess it's some progress. But and here's the thing. We need to look like an actual competent SEC team. Mm-hmm. And we did look like that against Kentucky. And, I mean, I'm we're forgetting. Tennessee went on the road at Auburn last year and beat them. Yep. And they look like a decent SEC team right there. And that was where a lot of people built up hope, including myself. I was like, maybe there's something there. And you could tell that Pruitt, a lot of people really think Pruitt is the best defensive coach out there. The strength and conditioning coach has got these guys looking like actual football players compared to Butch Jones's conditioning system. But I see seven wins as a possibility, eight as being as hopeful as I'll get. Now, if it's nine wins like ESPN was once projecting, I'm going to be over the moon if that happens. I mean, that's not bad when you have, what, this one of the toughest schedules in college football from the looks of it. Yeah. Now, see, if we, if we lose the three that people are saying we'll lose, Florida, Georgia, Bama, all right. You beat Mississippi State, which Mississippi State, even though they've lost some talent, they're still a threat. South Carolina is still a threat. Kentucky, listen, it's Kentucky. I'm not worried about it. Missouri, I don't know what's the deal with Missouri. It seems like we always have a problem with the, with them. And then Vandy. You got you to gotta beat Vandy. You just got to. We can't lose to them again. You can't live in a world where the last coach that beat Vandy was uh, the name that should not be said. Yeah. And plus, it, it's. I'll tell you this. It's time for Tennessee to establish them being the best school in the state Without a doubt, not people laughing at us or not people questioning us. Peter, hopefully this is a year where they can turn it around. The schedule is workable. I saw they released their 2020 schedule next year. It's interesting. But this year, I'm hopeful for seven wins, eight wins at the max. But if ESPN gets nine wins, if they predict nine wins and that happens, I'm going to be elated. So that's... the. The upside is you have 10 players on the offense coming back. Yeah. The big thing I'm looking at is uh, I want to see your quarterback, uh, Jarek Antino Jr., uh, make, some, make some better progress. Numbers last year were fine for what the program was at, I guess. You know, I want to see some more. Callaway definitely needs some more production with his skill level. Yes. I mean, only only two touchdowns last year. That's kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, but hey, you got the dog come back in Jawan Jennings who caught that Hail Mary a couple years back. That, that dude... Is the face of Tennessee? He, if you could have a, like seventy-five of him on one team, you would because that team would be winning, tough and gritty. But uh, yeah, here's the thing with Garantano: he doesn't need to get hit like fifty times a game. <laughs> that, that it just can't happen. And also, then bring up Trey Smith. You have ongoing issues with him and blood clots. Now they are working him in practice, no contact, but. They have been t- consulting doctors around America, some of the best ones to talk about the situation to kind of game plan for it. And hopefully it gets to a point where it, if he gets to play, great. But if he doesn't, but he gets to still support the team and help them out, and he, he gets to stay healthy, that's fine with me too. Health, at the end of the day, is the number one overall thing, and longevity is, is as well. If he gets to play, Peter, the offensive line – could be looking really good this year, especially if those five-star offensive linemen produce. Mm-hmm. In which case, Garantano's not going to get hit 
50 times a game and get broken in half, which he was very close to getting broken in half a couple times last year. I was like, just get out of the game, my guy. Just get out. <laughs> like, this, this ain't worth it. You're playing against NFL guys in Alabama. Get out of there. So that's where we'll leave it off with Tennessee. Not exactly 30 minutes like I joked about, but still somewhat there. So we'll just, since Tennessee is in the East, we'll start with the East. And let's just go with the top team in the East, Georgia. My goodness, uh, Peter, Georgia's turned into a powerhouse the last couple of years. They, Jake Fromm, you got him come back. Kirby Smart, they're leading the way. They've been uh they've been really consistent these last couple years and have been uh been a threat for Alabama in the West. I mean, Georgia's one of those perennial programs as is, so we can't be too surprised. But yeah, 2016 when they went eight and five, I think that was maybe the first hint that maybe there was trouble on the horizon, but they came back in the uh the biggest way possible for that 2017 campaign right there. And last year, I mean with the exception of that weird LSU loss, I mean, they were probably the best team in the SEC besides Bama. Yeah, and they're bringing back a whole bunch of good players. So you, you bring Front mentioned him. You got DeAndre Swift coming back. I don't know what it is with Georgia on running backs these last few years. If you're an NFL team and you see a running back and he's from Georgia, just take him. There's a good <laughs> chance he's going to be pretty good. But you also have... Left tackle Andrew Thomas coming back to be a mainstay on the offensive line. You do lose a couple pieces out wide and Riley Ridley and Miko Hardman, but you're hoping with some of the with how Georgia's recruited these last couple years that some guys emerge on the outside and take and take control out of the top wide receiver spots there. And with the defense, I mean Georgia, they've been a tough nosed defensive team too. Mm-hmm. And they they lost a couple pieces last year. They lost DeAndre Baker to the draft. They lost him. You're gonna have to. You got. You still have a bunch of blue chip prospects out there as well to kind of help you with uh with your defense. And Kirby Smart, he's a defensive guy, so he he knows how to handle the defense. And Georgia, they're looking good again this year. I I see no reason for them to not be in the top four in the college football playoff when, when all is said and done. They, they're that good and they're that loaded. They will they will be just fine. You know, it, it, here's a weird one, Peter. They're playing uh, one of our OVC teams, Murray State. Yeah, I saw that. And, uh, then we say a prayer for Chase and uh, Arkansas State the week after. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, man. Uh, and then we uh, have the... A rematch of the 2017 game against uh, Notre Dame. Forgot completely forgot that they decided, hey, let's schedule some meetings, but non-consecutive years. Yeah, so that'll be fun. Yeah, it, and looking at their schedule, they could easily run the table. South Carolina, Kentucky, that's a W. Florida, that's always an interesting game because it's a neutral site game. It's a rivalry game. Missouri. Auburn, Auburn might be the toughest test there, or A and M, Texas A and M might actually be, because A and M has done a good job there. Jimbo's done a good job there, and only one year there. And then of course you got the Georgia Tech game, but I see no reason for them to not be at the top of the SEC East by the end of the year, 
and be in the conversation for the college football playoff. I see no reason for them to not be in any of those talks. They should be completely fine, and they should be really, really good again this year. Yeah, I mean, especially when your I would say your toughest matchup is Texas A&M. That's not in the uh, SEC East, so it won't count against you to win the uh, – sorry, they're in the SEC West, so it won't count against them if they want to win the East. So that's pretty good, especially, of course, Notre Dame too. I mean – they could be 10-2 and two and make the uh, SEC championship. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. So moving on from Georgia on to the other team, to to the Florida Gators, Dan Mullen, a second year, replaced Jim McElwain last year, coming back home to his alma mater. And what does he do, Peter? Well, let's see what he does. Uh, he lo- ends up losing to Kentucky, which broke a 31-year winning streak. Uh, <laughs> so there's that. And a couple months later, we just mentioned Georgia. Lose 36-17. And then, let's see. Oh, yeah. Play Missouri at home and get blown out 38-17. to <laughs> That's a that's not ideal for Dan Mullen in his first year. Of course, you got some off-field stuff going on there. Florida. Well, it's, it's Florida. There's always something going on off-field. That's not really a surprise anymore. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter who the coach is. Shout-out to Urban Meyer, but... Thank God Urban's not there. <laughs> He's going to be at USC uh, next year, everybody. But I, I will, I will say this about Florida: coming off a uh, four and seven uh, twenty seventeen, where they came in the season ranked seventeen and had that uh, that pretty bad Michigan game to open the season. It's not the not a bad turnaround. No, Hell, they they avenged Michigan by uh, blowing the blowing them out in that uh, Peach Bowl, and uh, of course the. The players were dancing around hard. I was like, oh, screw this. I'm going home. <laughs> so I got to give them that. I got to give Florida that. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> Good on those kids. Uh, but Florida, they do bring end up bringing back some pieces on offense. Of course, you got Felipe Franks at quarterback. You do lose Jordan Scarlett running back. You got LaMichael Pirine back there to help out. And Damian Pierce back there as well. And he got a decent wide-out core with Van Jefferson, Trayvon Grimes, Kadarius Toney, Josh Hammond, and Tyree Cleveland. So there's weapons for Franks to work with. And Dan Mullen, he's a guy that's predicated on his offense. He's got some good weapons going into this year. Now, they did finish 10-3. and They did win their last four games. So we'll just have to see what... Florida is going to be doing on offense. Now, Peter, what's Florida going to be doing on defense? Well, they got eight starters back, and numbers last year looking at it, I mean, of course, that Georgia-Missouri game doesn't look too good on paper. The 31 you gave to South Carolina is kind of embarrassing as well. There's, It's workable, but it's not impressive to me. And listen, Florida... Florida has a lot of guys that have gone on to the NFL on defense. Yeah. Oh, let's not, let's not overlook uh, Jabari uh, Zuniga. Yeah, uh, Z- yeah. Zuniga, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Absolute stud. So can't can't ignore him. But yeah, for the rest of the defense, I mean, I'm not horrendously impressed. I again, my standard is the SEC defense, which is which I kind of base on if Penn State were to face them, how scared am I of them? If they were facing Florida, I'd be a little t- I'd be a little little on edge. But I would be like, yeah, we could maybe work us or work with something. Yeah. So Florida and them only year two. It's going to be interesting to watch and uh, interesting to keep an eye on. 
So moving on to the team and the team of this state that rules the state, the Missouri Tigers. Year four of the Barry Odom era, Peter, they are not going to be eligible for postseason play this year. They got slapped around by the NCAA for what were deemed the actions of a rogue tutor years earlier. Shout out to all my North Carolina Tar Heel fans out there. <laughs> but they're not going to be able to play in the postseason this year. They won eight games last year, finished eight and five. They're going to find a new quarterback. You had Drew Locke moving on to the NFL. You do bring in Kelly Bryant coming in from Clemson. And you also brought in, there's another quarterback they brought in. I think Sean Robinson, I think, is his name from TCU. So you bring those two guys in at quarterback. Kelly Bryant's going to get to play immediately. So you got a guy that's been proven as played against good competition in the ACC. You have him there. Now, you did lose Emmanuel Hall at wide receiver and Terry Beckner at defensive tackle. But you do have some guys that are coming back, like Jalen Knox, like Jordan Elliott, the help out on the defense at running back. You got Larry Roundtree, and you got an experienced offensive line. And also, you still got tight end. I can't even pronounce this guy's name. I'm just going to call him Albert O. He had a ch- <laughs> He's a good tight end. He had a chance to go to the NFL. Decided to come back. You got Jonathan Johnson, Knox. You got grad transfer Jonathan Nance, Arkansas's leading receiver in 2017. Leading the way on the edge for that offense. On defense, again, you do lose Beckner, but you do bring back Kel Garrett, a linebacker, first team all SEC last year per pro football focus. And they got the most experienced secondary in quite some time. So, Peter, let, let's talk about the team the team that rules this state. Let's talk about Missouri. And is eight wins possible for them, even though they, we're not concerned about them making the postseason? Oh, more. I honestly would not be surprised if heading into Georgia, they were 8 0. Because I like them in every matchup. I like, I mean, of course, Wyoming's a gimme game. West Virginia's not scary like last year. They got CMO, so should be hopefully, hopefully they should win that. Oh man, South Carolina, I think they can win that. Troy, Mississippi, Mississippi's a little weird coming off the uh, the bowl ban. I think they got better players. And we'll get to them later, but I still think that's a good favor for Missouri, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, especially a week in Kentucky. Yeah, eight. No, it's kind of a shame uh, if you're a Mizzou fan that this team can't make a bowl game because they could. The season gets hard at the end with Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, and Arkansas all all back to back to back to back to back. Yeah, I think I said back to back four times in a row. I mean, Arkansas, there's nine wins there. Even if you lose to Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, I mean, nine and three, that's a New Year's Day Bowl typically most of the time. Yeah. So yeah, Mizzou fans, uh, you kind of got the shore and the stick here, unfortunately. This is what happens when you... Uh, Use rogue tutors apparently. Yeah. <laughs> what even is a rogue tutor? <laughs> I don't, that's weird wording. Are, are, they, are they like? Are they like? Because I know when you said uh, North Carolina made the North Carolina joke, I remember you know they were making BS tests for the kids. Yeah. What was a rogue tutor? Do, do they like, get the test answers? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not a Mizzou guy, so I don't really care to look into it. But <laughs> that's just like the weirdest statement ever. It is. So, moving on here, listen, we'll probably run through these next few teams here. We have the 
SEC West, we'll talk about them. They're they're a lot more interesting than some of these other teams. Uh, and plus, I, I'm not. We had to get Tennessee out of the way because my bias is there. But South Carolina, you do bring back Jake Bentley. You got some weapons on offense: Rico Dowdle, Mon Denson, Brian Edwards, Shai Smith, out on the edge. You got some good. You got some good players there. It's going to be very tough for them to. I think they'll probably be a six or seven win team. Uh, so for so fun fact, I lived in South Carolina for a bit, and uh, huh. unfortunately, when I was down there, I decided I like South Carolina more than Clemson. <laughs> Looking back, bad pick, <laughs> very bad pick on my part. But hey, I stuck with it, like I had the Pirates and Orioles all these years. Uh, yeah, South Carolina has the toughest schedule in the country, and I think they're in severe danger of missing a bowl game. Because let, let's play with this, Ryan. Bam is a loss. Yes. Georgia's a loss. <laughs> Florida's a loss. Clemson's a loss. Texas A&M's a loss. That's five losses immediately. Yeah. App And they also have Appalachian State toward the end of the season. Appalachian State, it'll be interesting to see them in the marquee game toward the end of the season because usually they get the uh, big game toward the beginning when they have all the energy to make a statement. But I can see that being a six loss right there. And then you got to look at everybody else. They should be Charles Southern. And uh, help. North Carolina may not be guaranteed. Mizzou is a question mark. Kentucky could be a question mark. Tennessee, they could easily lose to Tennessee, I would think. So, yeah, this is a team that I would put money on them not making a bowl game looking at the schedule. This is brutal. Yeah. Who did, who did South Carolina anger to get have your two SEC West teams be Bama and Texas A&M? Oh, man. They angered somebody. Did Will Muschamp drop a uh, slur, apparently, and I just didn't hear about it, and this is the punishment? No. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, so uh, good luck, South Carolina. I look at this. Oh, they're going to get murdered. If you got Clemson and Alabama on the schedule, let's be honest. Yeah. Those teams, kind of a... they're probably going to make the championship game again. <laughs> it's unfortunate because Muschamp, he's, he's done a pretty good job taking over. He has. He, he, he has. He's done pretty well. So, there's South Carolina. Moving on to Kentucky. Kentucky, they had their probably their best year ever. You, you lose Benny Snell. You lose Josh Allen. Those are, so, those are your two key pieces right there. You lose them. You do end up beating Florida last year to break a 31-year streak. And it was just a crazy... Get, it was just a crazy year for them. And Peter, am I mistaken, or did they beat Penn State in their bowl game? Uh, I would say they beat more James Franklin's stupidity than Penn State <laughs> itself. Because the real Penn State showed up when Franklin decided, okay, let's stop being a trickster here. But yeah, there's they certainly lost a lot. This is not going to be the team that nearly upset Texas A&M like last year. Uh. Yeah, uh, I still think they might have enough in them to make a bowl game. If they get because yeah, Louisville sucks. UT Martin, Toledo, Eastern Michigan—that's not scary. South Carolina, who knows? They might be able to get them. They should beat Arkansas. So yeah, there's still hope in ten in uh, Kentucky. But let's not get carried away like last year, especially when uh Terry Wilson, your quarterback, was eleven for eight. With uh, touchdowns and interceptions last year. Yeah. Without Benny Snell, they are nothings. And that's going to take a, a season to figure out. I will tell you, Peter, I'm looking at ESPN previewing them. They are 
big. They got a, a guy on defense, Calvin Taylor, 6'9", 310 pounds. <laughs> and then the two deep, two deep on the offensive line will feature guys that are 6'6", six six, 322, 6'7", 324, 6'5", 324, 6'6", 323, 6'6", 331, and then a redshirt freshman that's 6'9", 367 pounds. <laughs> that's insane. That's that's big even by SEC standards. Yeah, Kentucky's going for the big boys because uh, Benny Snell, he was a – a pretty big power back, so I guess it's a, this is Mark Stoop. He's like Vince McMahon. He loves he loves big sweaty men. <laughs> <laughs> what a reference! <laughs> I I call my shots and I see them. Oh man! And then calls out the SEC West. Let's go to Vanderbilt. They don't. They gonna have to replace quarterback Kyle Schumer there. You also lose seven starters on defense. And Vanderbilt's been known the last couple years as a very solid team on the defensive side of the ball you have a star running back in Keyshawn Vaughn he he's completely done wonders for him he, he's great you got Jared Pickney at tight end you got young wideouts like CJ Bolar, Cam Johnson out wide and you might be relying on a couple interesting guys for instance Ball State quarterback Riley Neal he might start for him he also uh, so who knows what the plan is going to be for for Vanderbilt this year? Now, Peter, they've been a team that's been underrated. That they've actually been pretty decent here in the last couple of years. Where do you see Vandy this year? Are they a team that can surprise some people, or they're just going to go back to being old Vandy? You know, looking at these records the past five years, I, I mean, six and seven last year, five seven the year before, six seven four and eight, three and nine. I mean, decent's kind of being nice. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I guess there are pieces to work with. Uh, Keshawn could be a very uh, impressive back in the NFL, probably a later later pick. But yeah, you gotta take if whatever you can if you're a uh, baseball school trying to be uh, trying to show Alabama what SEC football is. Never forget that game. <laughs> <laughs> now there's when calling your shot goes wrong. Yeah. That's the prime example. That's the definition in the dictionary right there. When Bama comes to our house next week, we'll show them real SEC football. Loses 0-59. to 59. Yeah. Like, that is the epitome of uh, the Curb Your Enthusiasm meme right there. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be a tough schedule for them. They are, they're at Purdue, which I think could make a move. I think. I forget what I said about them because I was mostly ranting about Penn State that week. Oh, uh, they got LSU. Who knows? They're not. I, I get between all the teams in the East. They're not really the most. When I think about the most, they might not be last because South Carolina is going to get murdered schedule wise. So yeah. <laughs> there's that. Yeah, that's all I can really say. Uh, I don't really think about Bandy that much to be honest with you. <laughs> I try not to either. I I, uh, I get them confused with Wake Forest all the time. <laughs> They just they just seem like that generic school that doesn't belong, and they have the same colors for the most part. Yeah. I'm like, wait, which one sucks? Yeah. <laughs> well, that will do it for the SEC East, guys. We'll go over to the SEC West. Peter, we're going to finish. Let's finish with Alabama since they're the main talk of the SEC. 
And let's just go. Let's just go backwards. Start with Arkansas and just uh, <laughs> just rapid fire this baby. Yeah, yeah, Arkansas. Yeah, they're some. They're they're whatever. <laughs> Remember when the decade opened and they were uh, number eight in the Sugar Bowl against Ohio State oh. and nearly uh, kept kept it competitive. Yeah. Boy, those were the days. <laughs> you know, surprising for a uh, two and ten team, they probably could have doubled that. It could have been Colorado State. Probably could have beat Texas A and M, which is mind blowing to say. <laughs> Mississippi was only by four points. I mean, Vandy was uh, thirty. Sorry, uh, LSU. I forgot. Yeah, seventeen twenty four. Oh yeah. Jeez, uh, what is this? Oh man, yeah that. That's a good point. I forgot about that LSU game. That was wild, but yeah, and they're they're even on starters returning on both sides of the ball. Uh, no real standout player. Oh yeah, I forgot. Uh, Shanae O'Grady, uh, their wide receiver. Oh, never mind. He's gone. Sorry, scratch that, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Arkansas. I tried to give you something, but uh, kind of can't. Well, you got year two of Chad Morris, so you you're hopeful he can bring in something there. Yeah, Arkansas. Listen, that he Chad Morris brought in a familiar face, former SMU quarterback Ben Hicks to kind of to kind of man quarterback there for them. And so you're gonna kind of have to see how it goes. And he did sign a top twenty five recruiting class according to ESPN. So that's something to be excited about if you're Arkansas. So moving on to Ole Miss, the first of the two Mississippi teams we'll talk about. Ole Miss now. Peter, I believe they can play in a bowl game this year, right? Yep, the uh, the two-year ban is up. Uh, Ole Miss is back, everybody, with uh, 10 stars returning on defense and three on offense. So I'm not buying too much into it. I think we're going to see the real Mississippi comeback. I think those, those little cute years, like 2014, when they were, you know, number three, I think that's done. Thank God. Because Mississippi is a terrible state. <laughs> yeah, that's all I can really say about Mississippi. <laughs> yeah. Now, Peter, here's the interesting thing. They're bringing Mike, Mike uh, McIntyre, who's the coach at Colorado. And they're also bringing in Rich Rodriguez as an assistant coach. Where, when will he stop? <laughs> Give it up, Rich. You tried. It's, You're embarrassing yourself. It's not going to work out. It's not. Your time was, what, 10, 12 years ago. Stop it. Yeah. I will say, I do miss Scott Freeze. Uh, oh, wait, what, what was the coach's name? Freeze. Hugh uh, Freeze. Hugh Freeze. The, guy, the most stereotypical southern guy you can find. And it turns out he was just soliciting. Oh, uh, that was the greatest plot twist in the history of that whole scandal. <laughs> Did not see that coming. <laughs> so, Ole Miss. Uh, go Ole Miss. Yeah, so Ole Miss, Matt Luke, you got some interesting pieces there. You redshirt freshman quarterback Matt Corral. They really like him down there. You got some really good running backs in Scotty Phillips and uh, blue chipper Jerry on Ely. But you do lose A.J. Brown, Metcalf. The Marcus Lodge, Dawson Knox. So you're going to replace some of the production out there. So it's going to be tough sledding for Ole Miss. So who knows if they'll get to a bowl game this year, being bowl eligible for the first time in a few years now. And, yeah, 
So there's Ole Miss. Now moving on to some of the better teams. You know, since we're in the state of Mississippi, Peter, let's just wrap it up with Mississippi State. I wish we weren't. (laughs) The big thing for Mississippi State, you're going to have to replace Nick Fitzgerald. You're in the second year of the Joe Moorhead era. You do lose some talented pieces on the defense side of the ball, Montreux Sweat, Jeffrey Simmons. You're going to have to replace that production. It's going to be hard, too. Jonathan Abram. But you do have some interesting pieces at quarterback. You got Penn State grad transfer Tommy Stevens, who knows more Jim Moorhead, Joe Moorhead's system. And you also got uh, Keontae Thompson. I hope I pronounced that first name right. You bring him. You bring him in as well. And also, you got a good. Run, you got some decent running backs in Kylan Hill and Nick Gibson. And plus, Moorhead's been recruiting for this Mississippi State team pretty well this this past season and this year. And so he's getting some of these guys to buy in. And so, Peter, with your obvious history of Joe Moorhead and them bringing <laughs> Tommy Stevens in at quarterback, I'm seeing projections for seven to eight wins. Is that possible in year two of Moorhead and, uh, and with Stevens at quarterback? Yes, I mean, certainly so. They they definitely reap, this is a team that reaped the benefits of uh, Ole Miss having to uh, sit out a bowl game for two years. So the state of Mississippi was pretty much theirs for the taking. And I think we're seeing a lot of that. Tommy Stevens, I'm going to be interested to see what he does. Like I say, the, sure, knowing the system's good and all, but there's a huge difference between quarterback in the SEC and the Big Ten that I don't think many people realize. So uh, that could be uh, a fun thing to watch. But yeah, other than that, uh, offense, seven starters come back. Defense, they got only four, but one of the big ones is, yeah, uh, Earl Thompson, as we said. <laughs> Again, I hope I pronounced that right as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think, what, 7-8 is pretty much within reason. I'm not going to go crazy and say we're going to go back to 2014 where they were able to uh, upset the number eight, number six, and two team in three weeks. <laughs> We're not going to go that crazy. Yeah, no. Never again. No. So, I guess there's Mississippi State. Moving on to Texas A&M, second year of Jimbo Fisher. They almost beat Clemson early last season. And, Peter, they got a <laughs> – it's not going to get any easier for them after winning nine games this year. They got to go on the road at Clemson, and then you replace the Kentucky home game with, guess what, Texas A&M? You get a trip to Athens, Georgia. <laughs> Have fun with that. But you, you're you looking very good on offense. You got Kellamon. You do lose Travion, Mall, uh, Travion Williams and a couple starters on the offensive line. You do back, uh, bring back Courtney Davis, Cameron Buckley, Kendrick Rogers at wide receiver. That's a good trio of wide receivers there. You got some good sophomores there and Deshaun Corbin and Jacob Kibodi at running back. And defense, you're bringing back some guys that were hurt last year. Anthony Hines, Michael Clemens. That'll help on defense. Let's be honest, Sex A&M hasn't been known for the defense, and nor should they. With Jimbo, I mean, at Florida State, they had some good defenses, but they weren't really world beaters, but they were still good. Jimbo here, I think the offense is going to be interesting. Kellamon is going to be very interesting to see where he goes in year two, the Jimbo Fisher era, to see how he progresses in this system. 
I mean, in fairness to the uh, defense point, they were, let's be real, when the decade started, they were in the Big 12. So, I mean, it's going to take some time. But other than that, I mean, this is a team that I wouldn't be surprised to buy some more stock in. Yeah. Because uh, they have Bama, they also have Bama at home. And uh, that's coming off their bye. Actually, sorry, both teams are coming off a bye. So that'd be a nice, even matchup. Uh, Clemson on the road will be a fun one. About to say, if those are the only two you lose and you can manage to upset Georgia, yeah, this is a uh, pretty interesting contender for the coming years, especially with Jimbo's recruiting style. Yeah, and Jimbo is recruiting really well, and you kind of knew he would, and Texas is such a talent-rich state. It's a recruiting hotbed, and he, he can recruit there, and he can recruit anywhere. So, he, yeah, the future's looking bright for A&M. So moving on, Peter, let's get to one of Matt Borman's favorite college football coaches of all time, Ed Orgeron himself. Go Tigers! Matt can do it better, but about to say he he has the passion because he's not a Tennessee fan. That's what's holding you back. That if you had no connection to the SEC, you could just be like, "Go Tigers!" That that's fair. That that's a fair assessment. But yeah, Ed Orgeron, LSU, right there. It's interesting because now you're near two of having Joe Burrow be the quarterback there for LSU. You do have some interesting pieces there. Clyde Edwards, Hilary back there. You got some blue chippers coming back. Blue chippers coming and John Emery and Clavon Chasen missed last last season. He's a, I know a lot of people were high on him or expecting a breakout. You do lose guys like Greedy Edwards and Devin White at linebacker, all American players. But LSU, they're a team that can recruit as well. You got some good pieces on defense again. Grant the Pitt, one of the best safeties in the country, a projected top 10 pick going into the draft next year. Got Christian Fulton at corner, Tyler Shelvin at defensive line, sitting at 6'3, 362 pounds. So, but LSU is going to be good. It's going to be interesting to see how they can compete with the Bamas of the world and the Georgias of the world as far as trying to fight their way to the top of the SEC. We know they're going to run the ball. That's LSU style. But Joe Burrow, it's going to be interesting to see what he can do in year number two. With that uh, with that there, so that's LSU. Now moving on to the two Alabama teams. And this is where we're going to leave off. Let's go to Auburn, Peter. The, mm-hmm. Let me tell you what, Auburn has, has been up in arms too, and it's because of the results Gus Malzahn has given them the last couple of years. Of course, last year, you had some bad games. You did, Although I would call this one a good game, you did lose to Tennessee. So that that, <laughs> that, that, that hurts Auburn right there. No bias right there. But <laughs> Malzahn, you do have to replace Jared Stidham. You don't know what to do at quarterback. You did have one uh, quarterback transfer, Malik Willis, and you're hoping true freshman Bo Nix or two redshirt freshman Joey Gatewood or Cord Sandberg can help replace the void at quarterback. They bring back Jeterius Whitlow, really good running back for him. Sean Shivers as well. Really good freshman last year for him. You do lose some guys at wide receiver, Ryan Davis and Darius Slayton. You do bring back couple of really good sophomores in Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz. 
couple injured player injured players from last year and Will Hastings and Eli Stove. All, Malzahn is predicated on offense. He's got a really good team on offense coming back as his figuring out quarterback. They don't start off easy, Peter. They got to go to Oregon week one. They got play. Arlington. Yep, they got play them in Arlington in Jerry World. Uh, that's not a that's not a good uh, team to start off your season against. Considering we're going to talk about Oregon next week, Oregon is going to be really, really good, especially with Herbert back. Yeah, I'm low key worried about Auburn. To be honest with you, L- Auburn fans are uh, low key worried about it. Yeah, the past couple. I mean, the past five years. To be honest, I haven't really been impressed by them i almost wonder if those you know good years under newton and the kick six if that was if that was the peak of what we're going to see from auburn for a while because they've only beat bama once yeah in uh the past five years and even then i mean didn't really do much for them in the long run yeah uh yeah i just don't know what gus is doing i'm really worried about uh true freshman uh joey gatewood at quarterback, that's uh, I don't know. SEC, I'm just always worried about any freshman, so yeah. And listen, on but on defense, they do have some really good players coming back. You bring back all American defensive tackle Derek Brown, had a chance to go to the NFL, comes back. Marlon Davidson, Nick Coe coming back as well with safeties Daniel Thomas, Jeremiah Denson, and you got re- some really good young safety student Jamin Sherwood and Smoke Monday. That's a good name right there. Especially for a safety. So the defense, that might... If you're worried about offense for Auburn, even though Malzahn is an offensive guy, you have a really good defense coming back. You have some really good defensive linemen. So I think maybe you probably rely on that defense a little bit to help you out there as you try to figure out who's going to be your quarterback. So, Peter, it's time we move on to the main team, Matt's favorite college football team, Alabama. And why are they Matt's favorite NFL team, uh, favorite college football team, Peter? Well, he's a bandwagoner. Well, uh, yeah, that that's true. <laughs> well, what does Alabama do? They play football games. And do they win them? Yes. Well, with an obvious exception last year. Yeah. <laughs> a 16 to 44 exception. <laughs> I forget just how bad they lost to Clemson. Yeah, it's it felt like a much closer blowout than it was than it was on paper. Yeah, and the story with Alabama here is you're replacing a bunch of assistant coaches. You're going to have two new coordinators, and this is something I know. I think we may have talked about last season, or we talked about in the early stages of the off season. Like, where's this consistency? The can the coaching staff for Alabama be stable considering you're losing a lot of assistant coaches and coordinators each and every year? They're going to be doing that again. They're going to be replacing a lot of coaches. And I mentioned both coordinators and seven full-time assistants as well. But Alabama is still Alabama. You got Tua Tungvaloa back there. Top prospect for the NFL. What else do you need to say? You got a really gr- a bunch of great wide receivers. Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith, and sophomore Jalen Waddle. All really good. They have a bunch of... There's no shortage of riches there, Peter. 
Yeah, this team is just loaded. They recruit so well. It's just frustrating. I mean, <laughs> there's nothing that can weaken them. Imagine <laughs> being a Tennessee to... fan, Peter. Imagine how frustrating <laughs> this is to watch. You literally have to wait for Saban just to retire. That's all you can do at this point. And Butch Jones to take his place. Yeah. <laughs> Even then, maybe the allure of Alabama would probably make him one of the goats. <laughs> I don't mean to put that idea in your head, but let's face it. This team, this program. Oh, I hate it. Yeah. And here's the thing. They're going to be even more deadlier because they got blown out and embarrassed. Yeah. They're going to have a chip on their shoulder. That's even worse for everybody that faces them. That's a, that's an even worse nightmare for uh, get, playing against Alabama. Well, not one be Western Carolina toward the end of the season. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course, Alabama. The very challenging non-conference games. I mean, they got Duke to open the season in Hotlanta. Ooh. Oh, that's going to be a Can bar you spell burner. upset alert? <laughs> <laughs> Also, Southern Miss. Wow, what is this, the late 90s? Oh, man. Oh. Uh, but yeah, Alabama, if there's any team that we're guaranteed to get an undefeated season from, it's probably them. Yeah. The only upset pitch that I would have would be Texas A&M. But even then, I'm not going to put money on that game. Yeah, it's easy to see Bama back in the top four college football playoff easily. I expect Tua just to be a absolute destroyer of worlds. I, I am kind of surprised how little he... Uh, I didn't run as much as I thought he was. Only five touchdowns on the on the ground last year. But when you're throwing 43 through the air, I mean, I guess you, you can't be too picky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it's not like you're always struggling for running backs at uh, Alabama. No, no, you're like not. Three of the last 15 Heisman winners were running backs from Bama. Yeah, we're fine. Oh, uh, yeah. So Alabama, short, uh, long story short, they're good, everybody. They win football games, as Matt would say. Roll Tide. Oh, man. That's something you'll never catch me saying. I will never say that. I I will only say go Tigers, and that's it. I'm not saying anything else. (laughs) I will only do the Florida champ to mock them, and I will only do the Roll Tide thing to mock them as well. Well, you do the the Florida thing kind of like a... uh perpendicular where it's like forming an L and then you go for it. <laughs> That's a great idea. Yeah. If we beat Florida this year, I'm definitely doing that. <laughs> so yeah, everybody, there's the SC West and next week it's Pac-12 week or better yet, it's Herm Edwards week, everybody. Get hyped. So moving on, closing out, we got the AFC West, but first Tom Brady gets a new deal, Peter. He's signing a two-year deal. He's going to get paid $23 million this year. And get this. The Patriots are still going to have $5.5 million of cap space left to go out and do something. Mm-hmm. This is That's crazy. The crazier thing is I think I read that they actually will save money in the long term, yeah. too. Which, I mean, for Brady, I mean, being, what, 62 by now, I think? <laughs> It, you're kind of on a year-by-year base. I'm almost amazed he came back, to be honest. I mean, you single-handedly tied the Steelers in Super Bowl wins by yourself. I mean, that was a team that had to have Terry do it four times and Ben somehow do it twice. I still don't know how we won one with Ben. What a world this is. <laughs> I mean, does he want lucky number seven? I mean, either way, Tom, 
you're pretty much the goat no matter when you leave, so... Yeah. <laughs> Don't get too selfish on us here. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Can you believe we're approaching nearly 20 years of just this BS uh, of the Patriots? <laughs> it, it's crazy to think about. They started the ramp for still in St. Louis. <laughs> And by then, I mean an actually good Rams team, not the, you know, the decade before they left team. Way to trigger a bunch of people in St. Louis, Peter. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong, though? You no. Know. <laughs> the Rams sucked. <laughs> as long as I lived here. All right, so there's the Brady news. Let's move on to the AFC West. And Peter, let's go ahead and start with the Darling. And no, it's not the Chiefs. It's the Raiders. Oh, goody. We stand the John Gruden-led Oakland Raiders. <laughs> Ryan, I heard that AB did something a little stupid. Do you know what that might be? Well, I heard his son also asked where was Big Ben. Oh, my God. <laughs> I would have paid. Do we know what uh, AB responded with? Because I'm dying to know that. <laughs> I wish we did. <laughs> well, son, Captain Fat Expletive's back in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he did do something stupid, Peter. Uh, I I kind of mentioned it at the top of the show when I asked when I said to everybody, I hope you didn't uh, didn't get frostbite on either of your feet. <laughs> Shout out to AB for doing this. So AB, he's have he has foot problems. He used the wrong equipment to go into a cryotherapy chamber, which is this thing that the new sort of technology that athletes are doing to kind of revitalize them, keep them healthy. A.B. does it. He gets frostbite. <laughs> it reminds me, like, years and years ago. It was, like, probably 2003, 2004. There was an MLB player in the summer who was, uh, he was, like, laying on some ice to heal a wound. And he fell asleep and got frostbite on his side. <laughs> it's like, these athletes, man, we pay them so much money. We, they hire these $100,000 trainers, and this is what happens. Yeah. Aww. Now, in fairness, it is Oakland, so, you know, they're probably getting paid, what, $10 an hour? Yeah. If, if that. I can't wait for this episode of Hard Knocks. I can't wait for this season. Oh, man. Yeah. The first episode of Hard Knocks. It's on YouTube, everybody, so if you missed it, go check it out. I know we, ha me and Peter haven't seen it yet, so we're going to try to catch that a little bit here soon after we get done. Uh, it's going to be a wild season of hard knocks, but, and, and of course it's led by John Gruden. It's year two of that, of the chaos of his chaos leading the way you bring in a bunch of these players, AB, the top guy you bring in Tyra Williams, Trent Brown from the Patriots. Be honest, they did have a decent draft, bringing in Clone Farrell, Jonathan Abram, and the aforementioned Jacobs. But, and they did bring in LaMarcus Joyner. Peter, I saw a tweet yesterday, and we joked about it. Vontaze Burfitt, one episode is them going to be visiting him in actual jail. <laughs> uh, my favorite part about the news this week is that uh, they finally got a uh, sponsor for their stadium in Las Vegas. <laughs> it's Allegiant Airlines, <laughs> one of the worst airlines in the country, and that's saying something. It's only fake. I think my favorite joke was uh, 
someone's on a legion plane has a medical problem and the stewardess is like is there a doctor on board and someone stands up like we're on a legion flight there ain't no doctor on this <laughs> <laughs> it's like how does how does the arena get t-mobile one of the, the top carries in the country and <laughs> your your million dollar stadium that you force the taxpayers to pay for in a state where education and just government in general is so bad you can only get allegiant airlines that's awful what a world i love it this is gonna be great oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, nothing like the oakland raiders to inject some happiness into the program but uh, but yeah the, uh, the raiders i'm surprised that, i'm surprised if mark davis they couldn't get a pf chains uh, sponsorship <laughs> for that stadium uh, it's certainly getting great clips or super cuts with that haircut of his. <laughs> zingers all around. <laughs> so many zingers. Yeah, get to Gruden. You got Derek Carr quarterback. You don't know what's going to go on with him. I did like what they did with the draft. They did pretty good there. And you just bring a whole bunch of these pieces. But, Peter, it's just a whole bunch of noise. And I don't think it... It's, very tough for me to see this working out. I mean, especially when you're stuck with Gruden. You basically gave him the team. I mean, 10 years, $100 million, he has actual stake in the team. I mean, he he can kind of do whatever he wants with little consequences for the most part. Yeah. So, I mean, Carr I still have some faith in, but with Gruden as the coach, and, you know, Gruden's uh very questionable history of uh, ranking talent at quarterback. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not, it's not the greatest thing in the world. I mean, all you can really say about this team is just make jokes because they're not going to be a factor. We know that. Yeah. The, 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 the absolute upside, which would be a miracle, would be like six wins. <laughs> and even that, I mean generous. I mean, this team sucks. <laughs> it's just... Like, we're worried about Cleveland being a combustible nightmare. At least Cleveland has, I can't believe I'm saying this, at least Cleveland has things in place to control it for once. That's, what is this world coming to? This? Thankfully, the Raiders keep it real. They, they're they just going to be bad. <laughs> I have zero expectations for this team. Al Davis is smiling somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's looking up, though. Yeah. <laughs> But, so there's the Raiders, uh, they're a train wreck, everybody. <laughs> it's going to be the best train wreck in football this year. Mark, our, no no questions asked. Yeah. So. Where are they even playing? Because they don't have the Coliseum, right? I don't even know where they're playing this year. <laughs> oh. <That's a> good... <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. That's a good question, but. Where are the Raiders playing this year? Well, in the meantime. Uh... Let's move on to Denver. Denver's it, Denver's an interesting spot. You get Nick Fangino, 61 years old, first-time head coach. Crap, it, that, the Hall of Fame game, dude had to get rid of kidney stones the morning of, which <laughs> was, was crazy enough. And, you know, it's good to have football back. This is, we're getting all this preseason stuff, but who really cares? The action didn't start till early September. But the big question here is you bring in Joe Flacco, and at quarterback, but also in the second round, you draft Drew Locke out of Missouri at quarterback. The question is, can Flacco still be good, especially in this system, especially when 
last year in Baltimore, they went a different direction going with Lamar Jackson. Peter, let me ask, do you, could you foresee a scenario in which if Flacco doesn't get the job done, you think that can go to Locke? How much do they give up for Mr. Uh, elite quarterback Joe Flacco? Not a bunch. Yeah. Okay, so they're not two in the hole. Although the worry with uh, Locke is he, he, you have to teach him the spread. Yeah. So that might take a while, especially for a rookie quarterback. I mean, especially in the freaking AFC West of all conferences. Uh, that's a good question. I think they're just going to tolerate it. I think Elway by now is just used to just putting whatever on the field. Yeah. yeah. I know it's the most cynical thing to say, but the man's not been doing with the exception of Peyton Manning, which is the most obvious one. And even then, that fell apart toward the end. Yeah. Yeah, J- uh, John Elway. There is a reason it took you so long to win a Super Bowl, pal. <laughs> uh, and, you know, the Broncos are interesting. You got Phil Lindsay coming back after a stellar rookie season. You draft an old fan at tight end to help Flacco or Locke, whoever the quarterback is there. You got Emmanuel Sanders, Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton, you got Royce Freeman, too. There are some interesting pieces on the same, of course, the defense. You got your Chris Harris. You got your Bradley Chubb, Von Millers. You, you know what you got on defense. This is going to be an interesting year, especially Fangino. Get 61 years young. It's going to be interesting to see what he, he's going to be doing with this team. And that's going to be the interesting part is to see quarterback Cal Flacco does this year and see if, at the first sign of trouble, will they go to the rookie quarterback? So, yeah, yeah. I don't really put too much stock in that Hall of Fame game, to be honest. Yeah. Cause, let's real. There's preseason and there's exhibition, and we know which is worse. Uh, I will say, uh, so the Raiders were looking to splitting Levi Stadium with the 49ers, but the 49ers like get out of here, idiots! So the the Raiders had to crawl back to the Coliseum and be like. Can we play here next year? <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> All right, Ryan, we've had our fun. Let's talk about some real teams. Yeah. But let's, you know what? Let's start with Rebecca's Chiefs. And Oh, okay. We're saving Phillip Rivers and all his kids for last. I like this. <laughs> Got to save the soccer team for last, Peter. <laughs> so the Chiefs, you don't have Kareem Hunt back this year. You bring back, you do bring back Tyreek Hill. You don't have Justin Houston coming back, Eric Berry, or D Ford coming back. You do bring in Frank Clark and Alex Okafor to help out on the defense. I believe they're going to a four-three this year. They're they're making the switch. You, you got Chris Jones, just a great defensive lineman coming back. You you also bring in Tyron Matthew from free agency to help out with the secondary back there. But the big question here is, Peter, is Rebecca's favorite player, Patrick Mahomes. Can he, uh, stellar, awesome MVP season last year, breaking all sorts of records. The question is, is can he continue his ascent to become the, fa- uh, to becoming the quarter, uh, a top quarterback in this league? And listen, I think we all, I think we all know it's going to be tough to live up to what he did last year. But can he stay consistently good and great this year? I mean, with how he threw the ball around last year, you know, we would we would expect, you know, 
the big three to be Kelsey, Watkins, and Hill. And of course they were, but there are a lot of, you know, guys we had no idea existed just catching touchdown passes last year for this kid. Yeah. Yeah, it, it continues. I mean, I think from a logical standpoint, even from a fantasy standpoint, he's going to regress. We know that. Yeah. Coaches have more film on him now. They've had more time to prepare for him. You'll see his numbers go down for sure, but I think he still will be in the top three and potentially be in the running for number one with what he can do. So I'm not too worried there. I'm just erring on the side of kind of just reason that, you know, it's got to come down to earth. But I still think he's going to be one of the best in the country or the league. And, of course, Andy Reid there. I mean, all the faith is there. My real concern is what the running back situation will be now. Because Damian Williams, I mean, yeah, it looked fun at the end of the season when uh, Kareem Hunt got uh, kicked off. I just don't know. A whole season's going to be interesting. I don't really know what to expect from that guy. Yeah. It's... And also, uh, with Tyreek, sure, he's back. But again, this is the NFL where if they find new evidence, they'll suspend him. Yeah. And he will know. Maybe they don't even need they don't even need uh, evidence. He's like, ah, eh, change of plans. Six-game suspension. See ya. <laughs> and you know what? They did draft Nicole Hardman. They kind of help out at wide receiver. So if something happens there, if Hardman can live up to his billing as a second-round pick for them, maybe you got something there. Maybe that helps out in the long run. But the Chiefs, I'll tell you what. Uh, yeah, the, the obvious thing here is that Mahomes isn't going to have the signal he's going to have last year. Like, that, uh, that's just impossible to do. But I think this year he'll be more consistent. He uh, Maybe he won't have as many – maybe he'll cut down some of the interceptions that he did have last year in some situations where, like, he, he knows better and not to throw, throw the ball 5,000 yards down the field. So I think he'll be – I think he's going to still be good this year. But it's going to be very tough for him to live up to the season he had last year. And that's where the Chiefs are riding their hopes on is the arm of Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I'd about to say that's what's going to lead you back to a potential AFC championship game right there. So And, yeah, that's another good point to make. Even if, you know, he can still be elite and, you know, evade defenses, maybe I think he just realizes, like last year – just uh, be a little more patient, really. Yeah. So, moving on to the final team in the AFC West, the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, of course, you had the Melvin Gordon situation. He reportedly asked for a trade a couple weeks ago. That's kind of crazy to think about. And I think I said last week, or the week before, that I think the Chargers could overtake the Chiefs for the AFC West. And I'm still standing by that. I think the Chargers have a chance to be the better team in the AFC West. They're still good. Again, you got Phil Rivers there along with all of, his, all of his nine children. You got Hunter Henry back there as well. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler. Great offense. Got a good offensive line there as well. Russell Coon, Pouncey. You got some guys there. And on the defense... They really got a good defense back there. Casey Hayward, Desmond King, Derwin James, Joey Bosa. They drafted Jerry Tillery there at defensive tackle to help them out. Melvin Melvin Ingram. That Peter, they could I could easily see this Chargers team make the Super Bowl, regardless of if Melvin Gordon's going to play or not. 
Yeah, about to say Eckler, I think, can take over pretty well with that offensive line. Mel, of course, puts them a little over, but yeah, with Philip Rivers and Keen Allen and uh, Hunter Henry, more likely not going to stay healthy all, all this year. They're interesting, especially how last year went when they got hot toward the end and kind of started getting people's uh, attention, you know, before the Patriots game, of course. <laughs> As always, when we talk about any team in the AFC, the Patriot, any Patriot game is kind of, you know, <laughs> thrown to the side. Yeah, uh, I still like the Chiefs a little more. I think it's just because they'll be, a t- it's pretty much they're the big 12 team of co- uh, the NFL <laughs> with an actual defense to, to actually help, which is scary to think about if you are a big 12 school. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I think this is going to be, I mean, at the moment I say it, it's going to be wrong, but <laughs> this will probably be the most cut and dry conference in the NFL, I would say. You have your top two, and then you have your bottom two. Yeah. Very simple. One of them will, of course, win the division. The other will probably make the wild card. So, a lot of interesting things come out of this division, I would say. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting division to keep an eye on. So, that'll do it for the AFC, AFC West this week, everybody. Next week, we talk about the NFC West. We'll talk about the Rams, the Seahawks, the 49ers, and the Cardinals. We'll get to talk about number one pick, Kyler Murray. Talk about our expectations for him this year. So, yeah, be sure to keep an eye out for that next week. So, I guess I'll do it for this week's show. It was a good, another good show. Again, we got our football previews rolling on next week. Some other news will come up. We're getting right into football season, everybody. Uh, get ready. Get your fantasy leagues ready. It, it's about that time. It's about to be football in full force. So, be ready for that. And yeah, so that will do it for this week's Views from the 573 podcast. Peter, where can people find you at on your social medias? Uh, it's the actual Peter on Twitter and Instagram. It's pretty much where I'm active at this point. <laughs> Snapchat's for uh, the cool kids. So, <laughs> And you can find me at RyanViews573. Also, go follow our Views account on Twitter, views at Views573Podcast. To keep up with all the latest action from us, again, go follow us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you guys get your podcasts. And go check out our YouTube channel as well. We'll hopefully have this episode up here pretty soon. So that'll do it for this week's show, everybody. Thank you guys so much, as always, for tuning in. With all that said, we'll talk to you guys next week.